We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Good afternoon. It is Thursday, November 16th. Jimmy Sangenberger back with you 3 to 4 today as well as tomorrow right here on News Talk 710 KNUS. Great to be with you as always. Our telephone number 303-696-1971 if you'd like to join in to the festivities. You can also text into the show on the 710KNUS app on your smartphone. Name in town, name in town if you wish to text in, please. And, of course, a couple ways to reach yours truly via email, 247-365. That would be 710KNUS.com. And go to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show page, which, of course, is for the Jimmy Sangenberger Show every Saturday morning from 6 until 9 here on 710KNUS+. Plus. There's my website, jimmysangenberger.com. Keep in mind, there's no A, I, or U in Sangenberger. It's all E's all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is easy. Good to be with you today with much to discuss. In just a couple of minutes, we will check in with my good friend, Rabbi Jonathan Hausman of Ahavath Torah Congregation in Stoughton, Massachusetts, as we see Not only a rise in anti-Semitism across the country, but more brazenness from political leaders in that regard, and it is quite shocking. But first, just a couple quick things. Yesterday, we spent time on the program talking with Kelly Sloan, and I offered some thoughts on the Biden-Xi summit. That would be, of course, Xi Jinping, the ruler of China, who Biden called A dictator yesterday in uh, what turned out to be controversial comments. The Chinese Communist Party wasn't so pleased with him saying that reality. But it was quite a meeting because they cleaned up San Francisco for it. So, of course, that makes it a big meeting. And the president of the United States had a lot on his plate to talk about with Xi Jinping, but certainly didn't cover nearly enough. And as I always do, I raised areas where the United States has concerns about the PRC's actions, including detained and, ex- and, uh, and, and exit-banned U.S. citizens, human rights, and corrective uh, course of activities in the South China Sea. We discussed all three of those things. I gave them names of individuals that we think are being held, and hopefully we can get them released as well. No agreement on that. No agreement on that. I also stress the importance of peace and stability in the Taiwan Straits. It's clear that we object to to Beijing's non-market economic practices and disadvantage that that disadvantage American businesses and workers, and that we'll continue to address them. And I named what I thought a number of those were. Piece from CNN says takeaways from the Biden Xi summit where low expectations were met. With expectations set so deliberately low and with each side having significant incentives to declare the meeting productive, it was hardly an achievement that the mood music was upbeat. 
after four hours of talks, punctuated by a lunch of herbed ricotta ravioli, tarragon roasted chicken, and almond meringue cake. Hmm, sounds like an interesting lunch. And Biden seemed pretty optimistic. Now, one subject that I don't know came up at all was what's happening in Gaza, where Israel is fending off against Hamas, because it seems that China has its hands in just about anything that's troublesome on the world, even if it's just remotely. They provide support to Russia in their war against Ukraine. They provide support for Iran. We see Iran provide support for Hamas. Big question in my mind is to what extent is China involved in what's happening with Hamas and what they are doing? We see, of course, a global crisis of violence on the world stage, including, as mentioned, both in Ukraine and in Gaza. And it has brought a great deal of consternation here at home. Now, when we look at the Israeli effort to defeat Hamas, a terrorist organization, what has been absolutely shocking have been those politicians carrying water, carrying water for Hamas. And make no mistake, that is what they are doing, just as a sample Rashida Tlaib. Just to be clear here, I mean, what, when you talk about peaceful coexistence, you imagine a a pluralistic democratic state in the full land from the river to the sea. It was people called the one-state solution. But that would be, I mean, fundamentally, the people that adhere to Zionism and think Israel should exist as a Jewish state, like, they're just not going to like that. I'm not, I just want to clarify what the actual oh, positions are. I understand are. that. And, you know, Chris, look, I grew up in the most beautiful, blackest city in the country where separate but equal didn't work. We saw it in our own country. But I'm not going to push it on the people. If folks want to push for a two-state, go for it. But guess what? Guess what? Netanyahu's current government is not supporting that. He's literally said it to us over and over again. He doesn't want to coexist with Palestinians. And we're saying, no, we're going to have a peaceful, a peaceful coexistence and pushing against uh, those that want to target people solely based on the fact they're Palestinian hmm. or if there's a different faith. Quite the spin on that one. Then you turn to Democratic Representative Cory Bush. That Hamas... And the Palestinian Islamic Jihad? They label us anti-Israel. They label us anti-Semitic. And they label us terrorists. They lie about us and they smear us. But we know the truth and the truth stands. We are rabbis. We are pastors. We are congress members. We are surviving family members. We are human beings. And we are bound by our faith to demand a ceasefire now. That was at a ceasefire event a couple of days ago. I think the day before the big, or maybe it was the day of actually, the big march for Israel that happened in D.C. And of course at this ceasefire event, Ilhan Omar... Another anti-Semitic congresswoman speaking out there as well. Something fascinating and bizarre um, in the fact that there are people who seem to be upset that there are rabbis and people, other people of faith out here asking for ceasefire. And it's... It's bizarre because you would assume that if you are a religious leader, if you are a faith leader, 
that your number one priority would be to look into your faith, into the teachings of your faith, and to say, <laughs> I oppose violence. Ah, Ilhan Omar dictating how Jews and Christians should think and feel, but in particular, how Jews should approach anti-Semitism. That's at least what I took away from that. There's more to it. It's astonishing. Lots to break down. What the hell is going on in our society right now? In Washington, D.C., right here at home, where State Representative Iman Jodeh has said that Israel is committing genocide. I mean, what world are we living in now? Nobody better to help us try and make heads or tails of what's happening right now than my good friend, the rabbi at a Havath Torah congregation in Stoughton, Massachusetts. Good friend of mine, good friend of my program. Rabbi Jonathan Hausman returns to 710 KNUS. Good evening, my friend. Welcome back. Hey, Jimmy. How are you? God, yeah, you you really put the your finger on the pulse of it today. <laughs> I know. I know, right? I, I had to set the table so people can really get... I mean, we know, but every time I hear it, I can only imagine how you take it, Rabbi, when you hear it. I, I, I'm just shocked and disheartened. When you hear elected officials say things like that, what do you think? What comes to mind? Well, look, uh, I mean, I have there are several things that come to mind and several issues that you brought up just in the uh, just in the intro to the program today. And, and I think really the first thing I'd like to address is this issue of genocide. You know, um, if 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 the Netanyahu government specifically in Israel in general is guilty of genocide, then they're the worst perpetrators of it I've ever seen. Because you take a look at the population numbers of Gaza and, and Judea and Samaria, uh, the West Bank, and we're talking about the Arab populations, they have grown exponentially over the past 75 years. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's just the worst. I mean, and then that is that we're just talking about plain population statistics. We're talking about the increase of health care options within those two land areas. We're talking about the uh, the establishment of universities, whether you agree with the mission of those universities or not, is a different story, but universities within within Judea and Samaria for, for Arabs, established by Arabs, as a matter of fact, as well as in Gaza. So education has increased, medical care has increased, population has increased, fertility rates have increased. It's just, it's just unbelievable. The facts belie what people like Ilhan Omar and, and Rashida Talib happen to, uh, to propagate. So, you know, you know I, I want to start with that. Then the next piece is just, listen, it, I, I think it really is a sad commentary. Not that we have people like this in public office, but that the party whom, which they represent cannot even muster a, a mild condemnation of most of them. I mean, how long did it take before a censure actually took hold um, against any of the squad? You know, it took Rich McCormick's uh, censure proposal, which, by the way, if you read it, was much better crafted than Marjorie Taylor Greene's censure proposal. It's Rich McCormick's proposal um, 
what was it, the beginning of this week or so that, that actually took off and got the job done. And none of the party leaders can step out and, and um, you know, make any kind of public public statement. And, of course, unless they want to make the statement and equate rising anti-Semitism with, with rising this neologism, you know, Islamophobia, where even the FBI Da- even the FBI data doesn't doesn't bear out the um, the the rise in hate statistics against other groups as it is against Jews, where you're literally over the past five weeks looking at on, on a national average a over 400 percent rise in, in in acts of hatred against Jews, 400 percent rise. And of course, it's been ticking up over the years anyway. So, you know, those are the first comments I want to make. Well, uh, Rabbi Hausman, what we have seen on college campuses uh, and and then in politics, it all goes together because it's like they're emboldening each other. When I hear this at New York University... no bones about it they're saying we don't want no jewish state we want all of it and that kind of sentiment is something you're brazenly hearing and the politicians are just a little more crafty in how they phrase the same points right and 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 just so listeners know we're not just talking about nyu we're talking about university of colorado we're talking about my alma mater george washington university or my wife's alma mater university of pennsylvania we're literally Displayed across buildings, projected were these the same kinds of messages. Um, we're talking about Boston University and Tufts University here in the Massachusetts area. You're talking about University of South Florida and a number of the schools in the University of California system. It's all over the country. And, and I think what ends up happening is very simply you have this, this fusion between these groups that have, have taken root. Students for Justice in Palestine and whatnot, and and make no mistake about it, they're a hate group. They're a hate group. I don't care what the Southern Poverty Law Center says, and it's one of the reasons that slowly there is beginning a ban on these kinds of groups on campus. Does it does it impinge on free speech issues? Possibly, possibly. But you know, you have a right to free speech, but you you don't have a right to incite to violence against anyone, individual or group. And and there are many who are positing, many, many who are attorneys. And I, listen, I'm a recovering attorney myself, like Jonathan Turley, uh, who is a big constitutional uh, professor and lawyer out of the George Washington University, who said a lot of this stuff is just crossing the line. And, and listen, Alan Dershowitz says the same thing, too. You know, you yeah. talk about two people who were darlings of the left, mm-hmm. what, you know, when 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 they were making statements that really supported the left of center. But what ends up happening is you have on the college campuses, it's no longer longer this this, um, um, striving to teach kids how to marshal facts and think. And it's become, rather than this endeavor to, to engage and develop the mind, it's an endeavor to indoctrinate. 
And the indoctrination yeah. comes from this progressive wing. Well, That's and, what it is. And, Rabbi, just to put a pin on that point, if you look at the university system and you look at the diversity, equity, and inclusion programs, you look at the ethnic studies departments, like at the University of Colorado Boulder, and you see this institutionalized, and the way that it takes its form is, oh, we're anti-settlerism or whatever, we're anti-colonial, we're anti-this and that. That really just comes down to another way of perpetuating anti-Semitism and anti-Americanism. Yes, and it also, but it also tells you something else, Jimmy, and nobody really talks about it, about how successful the burrowing into our institutions have been over the past yes. 20 years. Yes, Okay? Nobody talks about this. Okay? You know, I, look, I, I can put my, on, on this show, I can put my prejudices right out there, right? So I'll tell you, I, I just had a conversation with somebody yesterday. And I just made this observation. This person said to me, uh, you know, President Obama, the worst president of my lifetime. And my response was, actually, he's probably the most successful president I've ever seen in my lifetime. Well, how could you say that? I said, a lot of what you're seeing today, the atomization of society, the pigeonholing of people into identity groups and all that. I said, and this was front and center of what he was doing. I said, listen, I'm not condoning it i'm not condemning it all i'm saying is take a look at what's happened very successful and 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 it's very interesting um you know today i had a funeral at a town north of the city north of boston okay and to get through on the highway to where i needed to go i had to go through boston and one of the bridges that i normally take is the boston university bridge which was closed there were Jews on the BU bridge, all right, to the highway, blocked off use of the bridge for protesting, demanding a ceasefire now. And let me tell you something. We're not talking about Students for Justice in Palestine. We're not talking about um, um, some of the other non-Jewish you're talking about. We're talking about Jewish groups that right. were doing this. Well, and Rabbi, so, I, I want to pause you there because we have to go to a break. And I want to specifically talk about this issue of Jews, including rabbis who were at this ceasefire event with Ilhan Omar and AOC and Cori Bush and Rashida Tlaib, others uh, on earlier this week and get an understanding. What is the mindset here? Why would they be a part of this exact movement that is fundamentally anti-Semitic. We've got Rabbi Jonathan Hausman joining us from Stoughton, Massachusetts. If you want to join into the conversation as well, you can call us, 303-696-1971. You're listening to Jimmy Sangenberger here on News Talk 710 KNUS. Rocking and rolling back, little Leonard Skinner, as we continue. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you, News Talk 710 K-N-U-S, underrated tune, by the way. I know a little. Just makes you want to get up and boogie. You know, I bet a little harmonica would go well with this one, in fact. Good to be with you. News Talk 710 K-N-U-S. Nice to have a little chipper tune on an otherwise dour conversation. But, of course, what else, how else can you feel when we are discussing not just the rise of anti-Semitism, but the current state? of it in our country and on the global stage. I'm joined by Rabbi Jonathan Hausman, good friend of the show from Stoughton, Massachusetts. And 
Rabbi, before we broke, you were starting to talk a little bit about Jews who are advocating for ceasefire or having these kinds of discourses, even some cases saying, oh, Israel is committing genocide. And I just want to play from this event a couple of days ago where you had all of these politicians that were grouped together and they were having this big this ceasefire event with some rabbis, looked like they were all female rabbis, who were there. And Representative Jamal Bowman lamented about the rabbis in his own district compared to the rabbis that he was standing with. Thank you to the rabbis for ceasefire. Thank you so much for being here and being a part of this. You know, unfortunately, in my district, uh, 26 rabbis wrote a letter against me calling for a ceasefire. And I haven't been able to stand with them or, or, or visit any synagogues in my district. He's a New York congressman, also from Jamal Bowman. And I've heard what was said here this evening before, that by me calling for a ceasefire with my colleagues and centering humanity... I am uplifting deeply what it actually means to be Jewish because I'm centering the way in which God wants us to live with each other. He is saying, Rabbi Hausman, what it actually means to be Jewish. What in the world is going on here? Well, I got news for you. The the Leonard Skinner song that you were playing, I Know a Little. Yeah. Okay. By the way, 1977 Street Survivors is the album. I knew you'd know it. Okay, I, I have to be honest. With you. Jamal Bowman knows nothing. Okay, he certainly doesn't know anything about Judaism, and, and who is he to lecture me or any Jew about it? Listen, the the bottom line is very simple. The bottom line is very simple. Um, politically, progressives—I should say, Jewish progressives think like progressives. They don't think like Jews. They have this false consciousness um, when it comes to their political consciousness, and it's this false consciousness is the only political consciousness they know. They have very little, if any, grounding in traditional Jewish sources and texts. They don't care that Trump, whether you Love Trump, dislike Trump. I got news for you. I had my criticisms of Trump to be perfectly blunt. But with regard to Israel, I got news for you. He was one of the best presidents, if not the best president, for Israel and Jews ever to sit in the White House. Certainly. People people claim that he was a Nazi and a Jew hater. Okay. You know, which I find very interesting with Trump calling his political enemies vermin, and they're saying, ah, he's using Nazi language when you had people on the other side who were literally calling Trump a Nazi. Um, You know, they've never cared, these people never cared that the greatest reserves of sympathy for Israel, for Jews, for Judaism, happened to be amongst conservative Christians in America and evangelical Christians in Britain and in other countries which is why I think you see organizations like Christians United for Israel and the Institute for um, Black Solidarity with Israel and Eagle's Wings and, and, and the International Christian Embassy for Jerusalem growing as markedly as you see them growing today 
not to mention that the growth that these organizations have had since roughly 2006 or so. Um, they, these people, and, and I'm speaking specifically about the Jews, but I think that the lesson can be writ large. They, they evaluate the political landscape exactly as all other progressives do. And they do it through this lens of progressivism, which sees people who are right of center and Christians as a menace. And, and you know, listen, if you're a genuine conservative, you're seen as a monster. And, Jimmy, we've all seen this. Now, all that being said, um, since you really got me move, my motor moving right now, all that being said, since October 7th, with the absolute bestial carnage that, had, that was unleashed and witnessed by the world, by the way, photographed by the, and, and videotaped by these people, proudly, these monsters. Who, proudly. Without, and call mom, dad, I killed 10 Jews. I mean, you, you see this, if people want to see the actual video with translations, go to Palestine Media Watch dot org dot il or go to memory m-e-m-r-i dot org and you can see all of this stuff you can see it in the original you can see it translated but what has happened with some progressive jews and i can tell you within my congregation some of the kids they've been absolutely shocked by the burning anti-semitism of the woke left and that's exactly how they're putting it this is not my terminology this is what they're saying uh, listen, I heard it this past Saturday at a bar mitzvah at my synagogue. The burning anti-Semitism that is emanating from the left. Okay. And, you know, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but, you, you know, if you take a look at the history of the left, going back to the French Revolution, you find, you find that the, the, this kind of Jew hatred has, has always been on the left. I mean, and I'm not talking about the liberal. I'm talking about the left. Because I think that there is a difference, okay? The left, it has always been manifested in the left and by the left. It was unmistakable 30 years ago. It was unmistakable 60 years ago. It was unmistakable 230-some-odd years ago in France. And it's, listen, yet progressive Jews were blind to it because they saw the world as progressive. Yeah. They didn't see the world as mm, Jews. That's... So when you see some of these rabbis who were with, Jamal Bowman and, and Rashida Talib and Ilhan Omar, you know, who are you, who are you looking at? Listen, you have a, somebody showed me, this is a female rabbi. Oh, okay, female, dressed like a female, but had a beard. Hmm. You know, I'm not placing any bets on, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I'm like Yoram Hazoni, who has written extensively about this. I'm not placing my bet that, that progressive Jews well, 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 wake up. Well, some Rabbi, have, some will. I want to give an example. There's Tablet Magazine, and I'm not going to summarize or read from the article, just from the sort of summary sentence. So they are, there was an article that came out a few weeks back, late October, for this tabletmag.com entitled Hamas yeah. Killed My Wokeness. I found a home on the progressive yeah. left for years, even after I noticed a common blind spot around Jewish issues. But the reaction to the murderous attacks on Israeli civilians was the final straw. You do see some progressive-leaning yeah. Jews who are like, wait a second, who have I been joining arm-in-arm arm with for all these years? But then you see others who aren't, aren't with that, like the ones that were at the ceasefire event. Right. 
Prioritizing right. ideology, is that what's happening here? You're saying they're prioritizing yeah, well, an ideology over Judaism. Jewish identity. Yeah, Jewish identity. And, and right. Yeah, you know, and, and as my, my father never used to call it prioritizing ideology over Jewish identity. He used to say, he used to say, you know, the old, there, and I quote, my father used to say, listen, there's the old, there's the old rabbinic maxim. If I am not for myself, then, then who am I for? And if not now, when? You know, and I'm paraphrasing it a little. He said, you know, how many Jews, and this was back in the 70s, my father was saying this. He said, how many Jews do we know who seem to be missing the self-preservation gene? In other words, he would say, John, let me tell you, he said, they're for everybody else, but they're not for their own. And I remember my grandfather stepping in and saying, but it goes even, Erwin, it goes even further. Because you have to factor Zionism into this whole equation. Because what is Zionism? He said, the, my grandfather maintained that the progressive left, what they call them today, listen, back in my grandfather's day, they just called them communists, Marxists. That's what they, that's what they were. That's what they are. That's what he called them. He said, they have this unrealistic expectation about, about power and about the ability for the world to be remade. And they want the world remade in the image of American or European liberalism. And they don't factor in Zionism, which, which is out there meant to take spiritual Zionism and the longing to return to actually put political feet onto it. Okay, because Zionism becoming the political liberation movement of the Jewish people. All right, and a return back to the land from whence we originated. There's a reason we're called Jews, because we came from Judah, Judea. That's why we're called Jews. Rabbi Jonathan Hausman, our guest. I want to ask you briefly here, um, a listener texting in saying, have the rabbi, uh, a request really, to ask you, if you could explain anti-Semitism outside the U.S. as it seems often tribal and spanning generations, that old world conflicts seem a bit different from us. The U.S. got over the Civil War within a couple generations. Do you notice anything different from the kind of anti-Semitism we see in other parts of the world compared to the United States, at least at a fundamental level? Well, listen, at a fundamental level, anti-Semitism in the United States, and I thank the viewer for the question. It's a great question. I don't know if I have enough time to answer it. But here we go in shorthand. I'll regal Asas on one leg, okay? The United States was founded by people who were very much philo-Semitic. If you take a look at the founders and the original universities that were founded early on, take a look at their crests. Take a look at how much Hebrew you find. Yale, Harvard, Princeton. I mean, you find it in all those schools. Um, that does not mean that there wasn't polite anti-Semitism here in this country. And it doesn't mean that there weren't quotas and things of that sort. Listen, my father got caught up in the quotas uh, after World War II when he came back to go to college on the GI Bill. And he had all the credentials for, for Harvard. But, you know, Harvard had a quota for Jews. By the way, so my father went to University of Connecticut and then went to law school at University of Florida, and he relished beating in court those attorneys who were educated at Yale and Harvard and Cornell and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
so the country itself as established and developed really it's not that anti-semitism wasn't here but it wasn't an animating um an animating societal issue here in the united states the way it was in europe in europe the the antecedents for for anti-semitic listen there are many reasons for it there are economic reasons for it there are spiritual reasons for it there are religious reasons for it there are the replacement theology comes into play with this the political as well you know and it just in europe and elsewhere in the world it just shifted depending upon the era in the country you were in and let me tell you something depending on the country you were in it could shift over time from spiritual to political to economic okay and you saw a lot of that in germany as germany was developing um you know and eventually coalesced into a state under right. otto bismarck in the in the latter third of the 19th century and you know sure so i i mean that that's a that's a short answer to a very listen i could teach a university course on this first semester I, I believe but you that's could. a short answer to it. Yeah, no, that's a short no, answer I, to I, it. short and sweet, you, you know, so and to you, speak. Right, but. and you can't and you can't discount. You can't. And and my brother Matt and I um, always discuss with people and amongst ourselves. You can't discount at its core the theological dimensions behind this. Whether you're talking about the history of Christianity and Jewish Christian relations, which let, let's let's yeah. let's be honest with it. Wasn't very good until recently. No. Okay. All right. Comparatively slow, as as well as how Jews are portrayed yeah. and the sacralized texts and traditions of other traditions. You well, know, and I, take and a look. At I I would as well suggest that the claims of genocide are just a modern day repackaging of Israeli committing Israel uh, Israel committing genocide or modern day repackaging of the blood blood libel trope of the Middle Ages. Without question, um, yeah, without yeah, question, without a doubt, oh. it is a replacement for that. Just like Israel has, you, you, uh, listen, people say, listen, I, I, it's not that I'm anti, anti-Semitic, I'm, I'm anti-Zionist. Okay, well, listen, but the bottom line is, it's one and the same thing because Israel becomes the Jew of the world. Yes. That's what ends up yes. happening. Rabbi Hausman, would you be able to stick around a few more minutes? You're being very generous with your time this afternoon. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, there is a letter from 2002 by Osama bin Laden that has gone viral on TikTok, and the responses are utterly shocking. I want to talk about this on the other side because it ties right into this discussion, especially because of all the Jew hatred that was imbued in that letter by bin Laden. We'll talk about that with Rabbi Hausman coming up. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you, 710 KNUS. Here's a deep cut for you with the best bumper music known to man. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. Little Luther Allison, may he rest in peace, singing all the king's horses. Rabbi Jonathan Hausman out of Stoughton, Massachusetts, our guest. Rabbi, do you like yourself a little Luther Allison? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Jimmy, it's too bad you don't live closer. I have a blues festival that I'm sponsoring at my synagogue on December 2nd. Oh, my gosh. For real, you're bringing that back, or have you been bringing it back? No, I'm bringing it back. For I have a, uh, one person at the synagogue in leadership with whom I'm very tight. He asked for some help. I said, I'll give you this one. Not a problem. So uh, we, got oh, wow. three, we got a local band. We got a greater Boston band, and we got 
a regional band that used to be national, the Delta Generators, who are going to be our uh, sign-off for the evening. Just a great, great band. They used to tour with uh, James Montgomery and Jerry Portnoy and a, you know, a bunch of other people as well. Very, very cool. I love how you have done that over the years. One of these days, one of these days when you have a blues fest at your synagogue, I'll have to come on out maybe sitting with one of the bands or something like that uh, would be would be a Jimmy, blast. Would be my, yeah, be my pleasure, you know? Now, now the, the, the blues is, of course, the kind of music that you just feel deep down to your soul, especially when you're downtrodden and you need something to per- pick you up. Well, we're going to go right. from being picked up a little bit from that blues to something deeply, deeply disturbing in our remaining minutes here. A TikTok has just announced that they are prohibiting content that promotes a 2002 letter from Osama bin Laden referred to as his letter to America that accused Americans of financing oppression of Palestinians, laden with all sorts of absolute Jew hatred. And it's been going around, and the response from people on TikTok, especially Gen Z, who weren't around during 9-11, by the way, they are the most or they were very very young you know three or four years old at the time during 9-11 um and some other generations are are but but the responses from the progressive left just take a listen to some of these responses to this letter to america this morning i read letter to america which is osama bin laden's letter to america explaining why he attacked americans and i am ashamed to say that i not only have never read this letter, but I didn't even know this letter existed. It's wild, and everyone should read it. If you haven't read it yet, read it. However, be forewarned that this has left me very disillusioned, and I feel the same exact way I felt when I was deconstructing Christianity. I feel uh, a little bit just confused, like I have entered into another timeline. What is this? And yeah, so go read it. So I just read a letter to America and I will never look at life the same. I will never look at this country the same. I will never, I, please read it. And if you have read it, let me know if you are also going through an existential crisis in this very moment, because in the last 20 minutes, my entire viewpoint on the entire life I have believed and I have lived has changed. Please read that entire letter. I need everyone to stop what they're doing right now and go read. It's literally two pages. Go read a letter to America. And please come back here and just let me know what you think because I feel like I'm going through like an existential crisis right now. And a lot of people are. So I just need someone else to be feeling this too. In reading the letter, I could only think of this tweet that I saw the other day. Under settler colonialism, any kind of resistance is branded as terrorist because the only acceptable violence is violence by the occupier. Okay, I've heard enough, but I wanted to really give folks listening a flavor for what was being shared. It almost seems coordinated. Existential crisis used in two clips there. Maybe there is some coordination behind it. But, Rabbi, this is beyond disturbing. You know, the... Let's talk about what the what the letter does. The, the letter explains Bin Laden's Bin Laden drafted it and explains his reason for using violence against the United States. 
and much of the text, uh, as I recall, focuses on United States support for Israel. Yeah. I mean, and, and Ben Laden, he's, he's up front. He was up front in this letter. He talked about the fabricated lies that the Jews have a historical right to Palestine. He alleges that the people who dispute this are accused of anti-Semitism. He maintains that the people of Palestine are the pure Arabs and they're the original Semites. Um, he talks about how the Muslims are the inheritors uh, of the real Torah. So you, you add this all up and you talk about a reframing of a false historical narrative. That's what you're talking about. Um, and the, the letter itself and the postings itself, as a matter of fact, um, are now in the process of being banned on TikTok. And it turns out that a lot of this was also showing up on uh, Facebook as well. And there's a banning of this material, this data on Facebook as well. And I, I really think what ends up happening is you have to go back to, you really need to go back to um, what is happening in the academy because you have these young people who were, you know, thought to be honing their minds to with professors who were there to discuss ideas and discover and rediscover human insights and truths and wonders. Okay. Um, the ability to think, to analyze and to think critically and to weigh evidence and to understand people and ideas and contexts and complexities um, and do so deeply and thoroughly. And, and if that's what, if that's what the educational system is meant to do as you wind your way through the educational system from kindergarten right. through college, hmm. take a look at what's happening on the streets and in social media and in the quads and in the bridges of the universities and these marches and solidarities with a movement that seeks only to do one thing, and it's to wipe people like me out to exterminate me to exterminate my family to exterminate yeah. my community Rabbi, all right i i am afraid to interrupt but the computer will cut us off in 20 seconds i so appreciate it we could go and discuss this more and we will down the line god bless you and the jewish people and people of israel my friend thank you for your time thanks jimmy anytime I'll be back tomorrow, 3 p.m. Tune in then, and as always, may God bless America.